0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Josh Marion. It's Adam Jones from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and it's Matt and Framingham tonight. We're talking your four major Boston sports, uh, Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, and Celtics. We're going to have to hammer through this real quick, but Jones, as far as... Um, you know, as far as this Patriots wide receiving core goes, is it is it too much talk that it's that it's not as good as it should be? Or do you think that there's actually some some realness to how bad the situation is there?
0: Well, I, I think it's real. I mean, I, I look at the talent, uh, and I put that in quotes, that wide receiver, like Julian Edelman has questions coming off an injury, coming off a suspension, and he's not going to be out there for the first four games. Uh, Chris Hogan I like. And I get the sense that I'm higher on Chris Hogan than most people, people we talk to on the show, other hosts on the station, uh, just the general attitude I hear about Chris Hogan. So I I think he's a good, solid piece. I like him in the offense, but if he's your number one receiver, that's a problem. Uh, Cordero Patterson has looked good in the preseason. He's never done it anywhere else. Maybe he'll break out here. I'll remain skeptical until he does that. I don't know what Eric Decker has left in the tank. Guys like Riley McCarron, Braxton Berrios, who I liked coming out of Miami haven't really shown much here in the preseason. So uh, we're still waiting to get Kenny Britt on the field. Philip Dorsett's never shown anything. Look, Brady's great. And, you know, he gets the football out quickly, and there's still Rob Gronkowski and the running backs to get the football too as well, but I I have big questions about the wide receiver position. And if I'm defenses, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about on the show tonight, if I'm a defense and I'm looking to, to target Tom Brady and, and, try to slow down what the Patriots do, I'm going to dare him to throw outside. I'm going to try to take away the middle of the field as much as I can, and I'm going to dare him to throw it outside to Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett and Kenny Britt and Eric Decker and whomever else, and I'm going to do my best, as well as I can, to take away the Gronks and running backs of the world, and I'm going to make Brady beat me outside with his 41-year-old arm, and if he can do it, great. But that's how I'm going to attack this defense. That's what I'm going to try to make him do.
2: Jones, on the other side of the ball, the defense, um, would you be Are you any more encouraged with the defense's performance Thursday, or is it still the same? No, I'm more encouraged by it. I spent a lot of time talking about this on, uh,
0: what, the night before the game and then the day of the game before it got going. I was on that afternoon with Hardy, and I I said I want to see progress out of this defense. I I hope they take this game seriously. It's not just a regular preseason game. You know, normally we go into the preseason, and it's like, oh, okay, first and second week you get a few more reps for your guys week three is the dress rehearsal game that's the one we all put stock in I can't ignore the way the Patriots lost that Super Bowl who they lost it to a backup in Nick Foles and I wanted to see progress out of that defense I wanted to see them take it seriously as I said and I think they did I think they made progress the, the pass rush looked great in that game and that does not mean that all of a sudden they're the 2000 Ravens or the 85 Bears or anything like that. But yeah, I'm I'm much more encouraged by what I saw in that game than Colt McCoy eating him alive in the first preseason game when Stephon Gilmore couldn't cover and Kyle Van Noy couldn't cover and there was no pressure on the quarterback. I uh, I, I feel much better about the defense. I, I still have questions. You know, I I still want to see uh, how they look in the regular season. I still want to see how they look against an actual what I think is a good quarterback, Nick Foles carved him up in the Super Bowl, but he's a backup for a reason. So I still have more questions, but I, I don't know how you couldn't come out of that game feeling better than you did going in. I, I feel much better about it.
1: So with the linebacking core, a lot of people are pumping up this guy, Jawan Bentley's tires. Do you think that's legitimate? Do you Have you seen flashes from him?
0: Yeah. I. I mean, you've seen the same two games I've seen. And, again, do I have questions? Yes. The book on him is he's a he's a two down guy, first and second down guy. Um, you know, not that he's Brandon Spikes, but like that kind of player who is uh, a, a run player. You know, he's not great against the pass. And I think Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, has done a good job kind of detailing some of the issues that Bentley has had against the pass so far in the preseason. Like he covered a jay way downfield on the first play of the game, and I think he looked decent in pass coverage in the Washington game he also had some issues on his drops against Philadelphia. So, you know, as a third down player, can he be a three down player? How well can he run? I mean, these are all things that I still have questions about, but it looks like he can play. And I will never, ever shortchange anyone if they flash in the preseason after what we saw out of Malcolm Butler in 2014. You know, Butler showed he could play. Butler proved to everyone he could play. And, you know, he wound up saving a Super Bowl for the Patriots and becoming a Pro Bowl player and going out and cashing in in free agency. So look for every uh, Malcolm Butler, there's probably 10 Zach Sudfelds and 10 DJ Fosters and 10 Austin cars. But if you flash in the preseason, I'm willing to give you a chance, especially if you do it early, you know, we're talking the first half of games against the other teams ones and that's what Bentley's done. So yeah, he, he's definitely flashed.
2: All right. In the limited time we have on with you on Jones, let's, let's go right to the Red Sox and, uh, it's kind of funny how things just broke while you were on the radio on Saturday and all of a sudden we get the word that Chris Sale is on the disabled list again for the second time this month. So putting aside all of the uh hoopla and all the stuff that's coming out, how in the hell do the Red Sox keep screwing up the health of these players the way that they do?
0: Uh, it's a good question. I uh I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I'm sure I wish they Wish they knew the answer to that. Um, you know, I I look at this, and I think that's exactly what you said it as. They screwed this up. Uh, he wasn't healthy. They didn't have him take an MRI the first time, which I didn't realize for a couple hours while I was on the radio. That's something I figured out late in the show. They didn't have him take an MRI after the the, the last DL stint. He, he just went on the DL for whatever it was, two and a half weeks. I think he missed 14 games, just a couple of starts, and then had a brilliant outing against Baltimore. We all assumed he was fine maybe leaving after five innings and 68 pitches should have been a, a a bigger red flag in that game on August 12th or whatever it was uh, against Baltimore. I, um I think you look at Chris sale, him leaving that start early, them trying to push him to make a start on Sunday. He didn't, they put him on the DL right before the game on Saturday. So he was trying to make a start. I'm sure he was throwing on the side. I'm sure he was doing his lifting on the side. I'm sure he went through his strength tests and things weren't coming back positively. So Look, I mean, maybe the Red Sox are trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, We had a caller on Saturday bring up that the Dodgers tried to handle uh, the DL a little differently last season. They had a big lead. They tried to manage their pitchers by putting them on the DL, having guys come back and start, give them another rest. One of the guys that was brought up to me, though, was Hugh Darvish, who – literally over the weekend, pitched one inning, and had to leave his rehab start. He's hurt again. He hasn't been healthy all year for the Cubs. He's won one game for Chicago all year long. He was hurt on and off last year. He got shelled in game seven of the World Series against Houston. Like, if that's what the Red Sox are trying to do, then I I don't know that there's a good track record to do it. What it tells me is that he's not healthy. You don't put a guy back on the DL after one start and 68 pitches in five innings if he's healthy, you have him pitch again. And I just think that's the way it works in baseball. So, yeah, it's a red flag. I don't know how the Red Sox keep screwing it up. I don't know how they didn't cover their bases the first time with an MRI. I don't know why they rushed them back for a start against Baltimore. Maybe they wanted to get even for the, the, the rain-out game in, in Baltimore. Maybe they wanted to show Buck Showalter that they could be the team to eliminate the Orioles from the postseason. I have no idea. I, I really don't. But I think right. they, they dropped the ball with this one. I think that's pretty clear.
2: And I think it's very clear that that caller will not be calling you back in the not too distant future on your radio show. So um, one other Red Sox pitcher's question, and uh, this turns around uh, a guy that we all know is not too popular in this part, and that's David Price. Another great start against Tampa. And once again, he uh, decides to put his foot in his mouth. So I'll just ask you straight up, is he digging his own grave potentially? Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. Like
0: people keep asking about whether or not David Price has figured it out, and it's honestly the stupidest question ever. David Price hasn't figured out anything. We've asked it every year since he's been in Boston. He's never figured anything out. He gets to the postseason and gets shelled. At least as a starter, he was good out of the bullpen last year. His best ERA is what he has right now. What's he at in the three sevens? Um, which is fine. Ooh. It's not what you're paying thirty-two million a year for. You know, it's not ace level. It's decent. You know, that's a good. Three or four is what that is. His first year in Boston, he was three nine nine. Last year, he was way over four. He wasn't good. Uh, or I take that back. Maybe he was better last season once he moved to the bullpen. He was over four as a starter. So I don't think he's ever figured anything out. I don't think he's ever going to figure anything out. And, yeah, I think he put his foot in his mouth, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets lit up next time out. I certainly won't be surprised when he gets lit up in October.
1: So, Jonesy, it sounds like you don't think that these sales, the sale injury or the Devers injury is phantom. Like a lot of people are saying, it sounds like you think it's totally legitimate and that they need to arrest these guys. I mean, Devers, I mean, Devers has been terrible and defensively absolutely atrocious. I mean, there's no question about that. So do you think that was sort of a move to kind of get his mind right again, maybe give him a couple of rehab starts down, down in Worcester now or Pawtucket? <laughs>
0: I think the Devers one, they might be playing. i give them more credit to play around with the Devers one. Like that, you put him on the DL for two weeks, rosters expand September 1st, you go to 40 guys, you can bring him back. Um, I think they might be manipulating things more with Devers, and I'm not saying there's no injury there. It's the third time he's been on the DL, I think, in the last couple of months. So he's managing something, too. But that that one feels more like manipulation, and like you said, that that feels more like a case of getting his, his mind right, clearing his head, going down, rehabbing in Pawtucket or wherever they're going to be. It will be Pawtucket uh, for the next couple of years, but it'll be Worcester soon enough, um, you know, and just do it in a low-pressure environment and, and without embarrassing him and sending him straight down to Pawtucket. This might have been a way to, to get the best of both worlds.
2: All right, so let's whip around and let's go to the Celtics, even though that they're a couple of months away from the start of the season. Um, do you think Jalen Brown put extra pressure – on his team, with the comments he made recently. Uh,
0: I mean, I guess technically, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it, it necessarily helps from a pressure standpoint to say it. I, I'm just happy that somebody in that organization finally embraced expectations. Like, anytime you hear Wick, or Danny, or Brad Stevens, or most of the players on that team, it's just, yeah, well, the East is good, you know, especially Danny Ainge. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He had a long statement about how look out for washington and toronto's better and blah 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 and it's just the east isn't good you are the hunted team now you're the bully and i don't mind them acting like it so yeah does it put a little more pressure on them probably but i don't know i i don't mind the increased expectations they are the heavy favorite if they don't make the finals it's a choke you know barring something significant injury wise so yeah there, there's going to be pressure on this team to go out and perform and I, i'm happy that jalen sounds like he's ready to go embrace that challenge
1: is this the team in the Celtics that you have the most confidence winning a championship going forward? In the city? In the city. Yep.
0: Um. Probably. Yeah. And That's I I don't know Bruins. that it's gonna happen. Say it again.
1: Not the Bruins, Jones. It's no way.
0: No, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. think the Bruins are making an Eastern Conference final anytime soon. you got to be – How? tell me – explain to me how the Bruins are going to beat Toronto or Tampa Bay in the next couple of years. they got to figure out how to get to an Eastern Conference final, never mind getting to a Stanley Cup final, never mind winning it. So it's definitely not the Bruins for me. I'm always very confident in the Patriots being a good team. Uh, they're always in the mix as a, a title contender. I want to see how everything manifests itself this year. I felt better in preseason game number two, but there's a long way to go to completely sell me that they're going to make the the Super Bowl again, never mind win it. And the Red Sox, I have my questions about. So in the next five years, I'd be shocked if the Celtics don't win a championship. If Brady falls off a cliff or if Brady, you know, has a gradual decline, the Patriots aren't winning anything. You know, he has to stay at a high, high level to win in the next couple of years for the Patriots. The Red Sox, again, I, I don't trust a lot of their guys in October. They've never done it. If and when they do, it'll be the first time. And the Bruins have too, too much uh, competition in their division. So, yeah, I, I think – in the next five years, the Celtics should win. I don't know that I can say that about any other team in the city.
2: Jones, let me ask you kind of an odd question in general as it relates to the sure. Patriots. Is it just me, or is Robert Kraft not talking as much as he used to when the Patriots are out at practice? Do you think that that is, in some ways, him trying to stop himself from saying something that he regrets down the road? Uh, So it's an interesting question.
0: I'd have to go back and really look at how much he has spoken in previous preseasons, but I will say this, you know, Robert's never really been shy about getting out there in front of the microphone. And, you know, this, this would be a time to kind of shy away from it, right? With, with all of the issues that they've had uh, reported issues that they've had in the off season, Brady and Belichick, Belichick and Kraft, um, Kraft overruling bill on a couple of different reported situations, including Jimmy Garoppolo, um, so, yeah, look, I, I, I'd i have to look at how much he's talked in the past and really compare it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's laying low. I think this organization, you know, probably should lay low with all the questions that they're going to be asked about. Uh, not everybody's Bill Belichick Absolutely. who can just shoot questions down and, and, you know, nip it in the bud. You know, some people want to answer questions and try to come across as human beings. I think Robert usually does. I think Brady usually does, although Brady stormed off earlier this offseason. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's something to do more research on. I haven't, I haven't considered that with Robert.
2: Are you surprised that the tension is still there? I would have thought that this organization would have squashed all of this tension by now. Apparently they must really not like each other, Jones, if they still want this there
0: yeah I mean again is it is it they don't like each other? Or are they getting on each other's nerves? They've worked together for so long and been around each other for so long, and you know it's just it's gotten to a point where Tom Brady is like management right, and I know we say that a lot about quarterbacks in a lot of different organizations, but here that really hadn't been the case. you know, I mean Brady was closer to it than any other player in the locker room, but Bill's the boss, you know if bill wants to trade Dion Branch or Logan Mankins, Tom Brady can stamp his feet, he can grow out his beard and protest he can uh you know, he can talk to the media, uh, uh, unsource like he did with Dion Branch back in the day and complain about it. But, you know, he didn't really have a way of getting even. It, it seems like now he gets even. And it seems like Robert Kraft has to kind of serve two masters. It's not just keeping Bill happy. Now he has to keep Tom Brady happy, too. And, you know, Bill doesn't like that. Brady doesn't like when Bill gets his way. So, again, is it, is it hatred? I'm not sure that's the word I'd use. But... I think they're on each other's nerves. And to answer your first question, yeah, I, I'm shocked it's still lingering. I thought this was something they could nip in the bud as much as possible at the end of the season. You know, call it uh, the end of February, March, April, something like that, like before you really got going in your off-season program, and they didn't do it. So, yeah, the, the issues are, are deeper than, than even I realized.
1: So we posed this question to Dave Brown last night. We want your answer on this. I meeting, got Dave was on, huh? My guy Dave? The big timer, the big J journalist, Dave Brown was nice. on. yeah,
2: it was pretty nice. interesting, Jones. Let's put it that way.
1: All right. So we asked him, you know, in the eighth inning with a one run lead, who are you taking going into the playoffs right now with the ball? Is it Brazier? Is it Thornburg? Who is it? Ugh. Um
0: Exactly, Jones. It's I mean, right. I mean their both bullpen's terrible. My answer would ugh, my answer would probably be Thornburg probably be Thornburg I don't know if that's the guy they'd use uh Brazier has been really good I I don't trust him Barnes has been really good I don't trust him Kelly started good he stinks now um I wouldn't trust Hembry. you know Thornburg to me definitely has the stuff I have no idea if he has the makeup Thornburg would probably be that guy unless you're telling me you're going to shift one of your starters out there and he's going to turn into a high leverage guy like Houston did last year and I'm intrigued by that option, but I don't, I don't think that's a great option either. Obviously you're, you're kind of throwing stuff against the wall to see if it sticks at that point. If you're just going to roll Yavaldi or somebody like that into a high leverage situation in the playoffs. So look, I, I don't like their bullpen compared to Houston or Cleveland, certainly New York. Uh, it's part of the reason I still believe in, in Houston and Cleveland over, over Boston right now. All
2: right. One final question for me, Jones, before we let you go, because we know you got sure. get the uh, show rolling. Um, would you rather spend uh, a night in the forest with a bunch of bears or in the ocean with a bunch <laughs> of sharks? I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, which fan base would you like to evict off the face of the earth? And I'm being dead serious when I ask that question. The Jackie Bradley Jr. Which... fan club or the Marcus Smart fan club?
0: Oh, 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 those. Oh, I
2: thought you were talking more general. Ooh.
0: If I could get rid of one or the other, who's worse? I would say the smart fan club is probably worse. I'm right in the thick of the Bradley one right now, which makes me want to say it. Um, but I feel like when smart's really going, it's worse. It, because Celtics fans are just so much more... Like, Red Sox fans do... Not not as much this year. The team's been so good, it's been hard to have a lot of edge from the fan base. But Red Sox fans do have edge, and they're critical of their team. And there there are many, many, many more... Red Sox fans who side with me on Bradley than there are Celtics fans who side with me on Smart if that makes sense. So I 'd rather get rid of the Marcus Smart fans than the Jackie Bradley fans, which I guess uh, I guess makes me a bigger Jackie Bradley fan than Marcus Smart, I guess, technically at the end of the day. And by the way, the correct answer is sharks. I'd much rather swim with a bunch of sharks than be in the forest with a bunch of bears. Hopefully, hopefully the shark sniffs around, takes a little nibble, doesn't bite off too much. The bear, the bear is going to eat you. Legitimately, the bear is going to eat you. Or bears, plural, are going to eat you like the end of Grizzly Man. So the the answer clearly is shark. Hashtag Team Bear. I,
2: I,
1: All right. So we'll I couldn't with
2: Jones. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. We'll no worries. On
1: this. I, I mean, um, as far as, like, baseball goes as a whole, do you think that sport's going to die if they don't make changes?
0: I think they can make changes. I think it might die anyway. Like, I, I don't I don't really know outside of radical, radical changes, and baseball isn't willing to embrace that. They can barely embrace a pitch clock, which is the most basic thing ever. I, I think it might die anyway. So, look, I mean, here in Boston, we're a bit insulated from it. Like, ratings are up with this team. People are into this team. It took a while, and I doubted that earlier this season, but they definitely are. You know, people are people are more into this team than they've been the last couple of years ratings at last check there's a big write-up from sports business journal like a month ago um ratings are still down nationally for baseball and in all of their top markets just about um and when i say all of their top markets like their top 10 markets across the last couple of seasons it's down individual markets it's up like boston but across the board they continue to lose market share they continue to lose it to to places like the nba they continue to lose it on the fringes to soccer and lacrosse and who knows uh esports maybe somewhere down the line so yeah i mean look prize fighting was very popular in this country at one point horse racing was very popular in this country at one point you know football may go this way in 50 years but you know in the next 20 years maybe 10 years yeah i i think baseball is is going to be be much different in terms of how it's covered in terms of how it's discussed in terms of how it compares to the other you know major sports in this country i do
2: Jones, appreciate the few minutes we have. We know you got to run. So uh, Josh and I will be listening tonight, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you soon. I know it's a busy time for you because of the kids, so uh, keep doing what you're doing. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, John. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. And we'll,
2: uh, we'll, we'll do this again soon, all right? All right, brother. All right. See you. Bye. Good night, Adam.
1: All right. I guess we're going to... We're gonna head out here. If you have a final thought for us, shoot it off.
2: Um. All right. Well, my final thought is very simple, and I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion of what's going on right now um, with the NFL helmet rule. I will say this: um, there is no question that the NFL helmet rule is potentially ready to be a giant problem in the NFL as if the NFL does not need any more problems. But I think it's very, very clear that if this thing does not get resolved before the start of the regular season, that this will be the dominant sports talk show rate topic, not just in Boston, but across the country. So I'm going to give the NFL a shot, even though it's a small one to try and fix this thing. But if we're talking about rules most of the time instead of the teams, then I'm sorry, I'm going to hate the sport big time.
1: I, I totally agree, and just to just to give my final thought here tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what Joan said about the four Boston teams and their their chances to make it to the championship. I, I think it's I think it's clear as day that the Celtics have the best chance, they have the youngest roster, they have the most upside, I mean, they have two all-stars coming back off injury, there's no other, you know, I don't think the Red Sox, the Red Sox are the closest second team for me, but I I just don't have faith that they're going to be able to retain all their players, you know, especially with the numbers that they're going to demand for contracts, so, um, as far as, you know, as far as the next title comes, it's coming through, it's coming through Causeway Street, so, uh it's not gonna be this year against the Warriors. Um you know, years two and three uh from this point forward should be the should be the, the real hard spot where we can get real championship there. So with that being said, we're gonna head out tonight. Um thank y'all for tuning in yet again. Um it's Jonesy, it's Matt in Framingham, and it's Josh Marion follow Jonesy on Twitter at Adam Jones ninety eight five. We're out
2: of here. Have a great night, Matt. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Peace out, Josh. Peace, man. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly
2: beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry,
0: sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.